Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth, as we sit down with Pastor Stephen and discuss his weekly sermons. We are honored and thankful that you are listening, and we would ask you, no matter what social media platform that you're on, that you would like, share, comment, rate um, this podcast, so that way we can make sure that we get it where we need to. Um, again, we're just thankful that you're able to listen. Also, if you have questions concerning anything in the sermon or anything that comes through the discussion, you can submit those questions to podcast at highlandpark.org. Again, we thank you that you are listening. Please like and share, and we will see you soon. Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome back to our weekly podcast. We're sorry for the week delay, but uh, we are back this week with Pastor Stephen, and we're looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and this is off of the sermon from a couple weeks ago, The Result of Knowing Jesus, and it's titled, I'm Not Who I Was, and Pastor Stephen, you kind of say it's not a checklist, um, but it is some indicators of a relationship with Jesus, and then right off the bat, in your sermon, you said, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? And so can you can you take us through verse 1 of chapter 6? Because you, uh, you you spent some time there. Uh, but just take us through chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 6. Yeah, you, you've got to see a little bit of humor in what Paul says here. Uh, because, you know, whether he was addressing a group of individuals in which some believe he was, or he was just hypothetically speaking, but he's sitting there and he's saying, okay, so God gets great glory when he gives great grace, and what better way to get great grace than to sin a lot? So should you sin a lot so that God gives grace and God gets glory, and probably with his tongue in cheek, uh, he says, absolutely not. Are you kidding me, man? No way. No way. And he starts talking about how we die, how we die to sin and how we are different individuals. You know, the, the title of the series through the study of Romans is a life transformation. And, and every week I kind of uh, I've kind of give an introduction again very briefly. And I just say, hey, listen, this is a guy, Saul, Paul. This is a guy who is. Uh, writing uh, a book to a church at Rome, and he's talking about your life ought to be different when you're in Christ than it was before Christ, or your your life ought to be different than from someone who does not profess to have a relationship with Christ. It's transformed, and my goodness, can you can you find a life any more transformed in all of history than the life of Saul, who even received the name change to? Paul. And so he's walking through this and he's saying these statements should be descriptive of your life. That if you do not see this in your life, then there's never going to even be a transformation because because Jesus is not in your life. Again, he doesn't perfection is not one of them. Okay? But what he is saying is clear definitive I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be in actions, in words, in attitude. I'm not who I used to be because I've met Christ. And so, uh, you know, verse 2, he very plainly says, we, we died to sin. Well, I know that's your first point, you know, being dead to sin, but we're also conscious of the sin 
and you make the statement that a Christian cannot enjoy the sin, do you think that 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 statement that a Christian can't enjoy sin, do you think there's some, do you think people understood what you meant by that? Like that, because we don't think that way. Like in, in our mind, we don't, we don't think this throughout the day. Like, sure. Well, and I would say lasting joy. Absolutely not. Uh, can you get uh, temporary joy? Yeah, it's hard to make that comment one way or the other because really, I guess you as an individual define what joy is, right? But can I receive any satisfaction through sin in my life as a Christian? Uh, I would say it may be uh, temporary. It clearly is fleeting. Uh, that the Holy Spirit will rise up inside of you and say, what are you doing? This, the, the, this is not evidence of the family that you belong to. This is, this is not your father. This is, this is not, again, a life that's been transformed. And so I'll tell folks all the time, Ryan, one, one indicator of knowing whether you're truly saved or not is if you can live your life any way you want to, and there not be any correction, there not be any conviction in your life by the Holy Spirit, then I would say there's no way the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I believe there's doctrinal evidence to prove that, right. but there's also personal evidence right. to prove that. The Holy Spirit will not identify with sin. Right. So, uh, yeah, conscious of sin. So now that I'm saved. Right. Uh, wow. Well, I didn't realize how big of a sinner I was. <laughs> I can remember when my girls were young yeah. and uh, we bought this, it was a, it was a v, VHS player. Uh, we, we probably have to give a lesson on what a VHS was, but a tape player, there was movies on a tape. And we bought this and it was called Curse Free TV. Huh. And so you could play a movie tape. Is that even a thing nowadays? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's even curse-free whatever. <laughs> the, uh, but you could play a movie, and it would work through the closed captioning that was built in. And you could also you could hook up your cable through the back of it and run your cable through this you know, VCR, and, and it would filter through the closed captioning. So curse-free TV you get to the point where they're getting ready to say something and all of a sudden it would just mute it and it would print along the bottom of the screen an alternate phrase. And so, you know, high tech stuff way back in the day stuff back in the early 2000s cassettes. And what would happen is at the end of every week or month or day, your own choice, your own setting it would tell you how many words it had filtered out. And so you could you could do it strict, moderate, mild. We always kept ours on strict. And uh, you couldn't even watch Barney on strict. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, seriously, it's filtering out Bar Barney. You know, he's, he's talking about the roosters and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's filtering that out. But wow. I was sitting there, and at the end of the week, it'd be like, your curse-free TV has filtered out 2,384 words, and you're like, my goodness. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, my, my, my kids, and this was in the infancy of Disney when you still thought your kids could watch that channel. <laughs> 
And they would be watching Disney. I mean, this is when you thought Hannah Montana was a wholesome show. Yeah, of course. They would watch Disney, and you're like, why is that filtering that out? Jennifer and I, being the depraved individuals we are, we're like, oh, I know what they're saying. You know, we're thinking in our mind, well, that's what they're saying. The very, the very number of times, because we had it in the strictest setting, that people would say, they'd take the Lord's name in vain. They'd say, oh, my God. And, I mean, we... We don't, we don't teach our kids, right? You know, that's acceptable language. We, we again, we we believe that's taking the Lord or not being respectful of His name. And so Jennifer and I would sit there and we would say, "These are, I mean, this is this is a Disney show. Wow, look at how many times they take the Lord's name in vain." We became really conscious. Of, of what was going on. And, and so that's kind of the point that Paul, I think, is making in this passage of Scripture. Okay, once I'm I'm in Christ, now I'm dead to sin. Uh, I've got a consciousness of sin. Uh, whereas before, you're like, eh. I mean, before you came to Christ, very few folks sat there and said, I wonder if this is a sin or not. Right, right. But now, you know, that Holy Spirit, even as you're being tempted and entertaining, that old Holy Spirit will sit there and inside of you go, mmm. Yeah, wrong, uh, uh, wrong side of the road. Danger, danger. Will Robinson, right? And and to me, that's evidence of somebody that's in Christ. Well, and you, you know, w- with this being conscious of the sin, like your your next kind of sub point of that was that you you have a change and a longing to sin. So like your your desires change. You have a change in in your desire. And and I was thinking about something as you were you were preaching this um my my parents would always say that especially when it was around christmas time or birthday time or any time we'd walk into some sort of store i always wanted something i was always asking them hey will you please buy me this i want this i want this um and my dad one time looked at me and said man your warner's too big like you always (laughs) you're always wanting this stuff he's like your warner needs to change like we don't have enough money to buy all these things your warner needs to change and well, that that's a that's a great point. Like our desires change once we understand we're dead to sin. We have this we're conscious of our sin because of the Holy Spirit. Then our desires should change. We should have this longing to 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 change our desires. Change your our wanter, thoughts. your like W A N N wanter. A wanter. Okay, wanter. Because I knew the, the I knew southern you were, boy came out. You were in house. rural Arkansas just for two years, man. Okay, just well then, rural, rural Texas, southeast Texas, rural Texas, mm. and and see, my pastor growing up in, I mean, a little bit more sophisticated rural, <laughs> rural Tennessee, he, Selmer. He did add the T. So I thought you were saying your wanter, your W A N N E R. Yeah, he would say your wanter, your wanter. Exactly, same premise, right? Uh, I want to. I'll try to please more clearly the next time. Your desire changes. If you don't have a desire to please Christ, hello, I'm just going to sit there and say, something's wrong with your salvation in which I would say you're not saved. If you do not want to please Christ with your life, then there's no way the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. You say, how can you make that statement? That's above your pay grade. <laughs> There's a yeah, absolutely. But I didn't make that statement. God's word says that statement. I mean, Paul, Paul's making that point clearly right now. You could say that's that's an overarching theme through the book of Romans. 
uh, you know, there's so many folks that want to, they want to gravitate in Romans, man, it's grace, man, it's grace, yeah. it's grace. Yeah, thank God for grace. Uh, let's not be so hyper in our grace, though, that we sit there and think that, uh, um, th- to me, to me, the greater message is transformation. Yeah. Transformation, that God would take somebody like me and make me new. Well, yeah, it's a evidence of his grace. Unbelievable that he would do that, that he would even change. Like, like it's not like I don't have to fake it. That, that I'm in Christ, I do not have to fake, well, I want to please him. But, you know, I really don't. And then you mentioned repentance. You know, part, part of this is, you know, we, we've got to have some repentance in our life. Um, can you, in, in case there is someone out there who is listening to this or maybe set in church for a long time, I know that there's been a few times that we've talked to some students who have gone to various churches and, you know, we ask them very simple questions about the gospel. We ask them very simple questions about church and even just some simple doctrinal things. And we ask them if they know what repentance is. And a lot of the times people can't tell us exactly what repentance is. So in this attitude of being dead to sin, we're conscious of our sin. We have this longing to change our desires, but part of that is repentance because we look at David and you reference Psalm 51 when David starts talking about this stuff. But can you just explain to us or somebody that's listening this thought of repentance? So repentance, I mean, the easiest way to understand repentance. Before Christ, I was running towards sin as fast as I could. Headlong, right? Uh, and, and there are folks that hear that and they say, well, hey, not me. I was a good, I was a good person. Well, the motivation for your goodness <laughs> was was out of being selfish and sinful within itself. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm. Let's just say I'm walking to the beat of my own drum. I'm seeking to fulfill my own desires. Uh, whatever the case is, I'm being good because I want others to think that I'm good. And then repentance. So I meet Christ. I turn. I turn and no longer am I chasing after selfish, sinful things. No, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm running from them. Um, I'm going the opposite way. There has been a definitive turn. A lot of folks interpret uh, that turn as being, oh, so now you're saying I'm perfect. That's what Paul just addressed here. He's not saying that you're perfect. He is saying, no, uh, your driving force now in life is, is, is Christ the glory that he receives through your life. And like you said, my, my want to has changed and my, uh, my desires have changed, but my goodness, there, there's, there's such a lack of, of teaching and preaching today of repentance. And there are folks that are like, well, I believe and, and I believe in grace. And so I am a recipient of grace and Hey, Praise the Lord for grace. One of the uh, uh, one of the first things that happens in your life because of being a recipient of grace is I repent. When I think we we you talked about the checklist earlier, like it's not a checklist, but it's indicators of our re- relationship with Jesus. I think a lot of us have we've done all the right steps, right? We've we've prayed the prayer, we've walked the aisle, we drink the grape juice, but um, there is no 
change. We haven't had that moment of repentance. So, and like you said, if, if saved, we're always saved. But I think sometimes because of this thought of repentance, because of this not understanding being dead to sin, desires have to change. I think there's a lot of people who are, are living in this world of, hey, I've, I've checked all the boxes. Well, and, yeah, and, and, you know, one of the greatest evangelists the modern world ever knew was, was Billy Graham. And, you know, Billy Graham, one of his famous quotes would be, hey, I estimate 75, 80% of the people in the church are lost. And you're like, there's no way that's, that's scary. true. That is, that is, that is unbelievable. Now, again, I, I don't, I don't think Billy Graham took a poll and, you know, had 80% of the people of the church say, oh yeah, by the way, I am lost. Um, don't tell anybody. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was anything like that. I think he's just, it's clearly an estimate, but what he is basically saying is, Hey, there are people who walk the walk or excuse me. Yeah, no, I'll even stick with that. They walk the walk. Uh, they know how to uh, survive within the Christian realm. Mm. They know what's expected. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they're motivated by whatever it is. They're religious. They're they follow sacraments. They do all the things, and yet there's never been a change of heart, change of soul. The motivation is not pleasing Christ with my life. There's been no repentance of their sin. They went through the motions, right? Uh, okay, I'm going to do uh, what is expected of me to do so that others might think that I truly am in Christ. And the sad thing is, you know, you get over into the book of First uh, John. First John, mm. it tells us yeah. this. What do I do? Well, first of all, I lie to other people right. about my sin and who I am. Then I'll even lie to God about who I am and my sin. Right. And the next thing you know, I'm lying to myself. Yeah about who I am and my sin, and you have a habitual lifestyle of that, then you exchange the truth for a lot. You don't even know what the truth is anymore. And so I would just say that if you have to talk yourself into security of salvation, that's a dangerous place. That's a dangerous place. You know, when people will come to me and say, oh, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. I'm doubting my salvation. Here's exactly what I always say. Well, tell me, what is it in your life that would make you to believe you're saved to begin with? Mm. The way they answer that question reveals so right. much. Right. It really does. And I think somebody, you 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 uh, you alluded to uh, David earlier. And I think somebody, somebody, did somebody send in a question that had to deal with, uh, the reference that I made in the sermon to to David. Uh, I don't know if you've got that around there. Uh, Ryan I, just came I, in off the golf course. Uh, hey, now, watch out now. Uh, he has been ministering to uh, Kentuckians all morning on the on the green courses of of the panhandle of Florida. Yeah, so. something like that. Sometimes our job's really, really hard. We have to minister to people in all sorts of places. Um do you, yeah. do you have that in the front question, of you? The question, yeah. So you mentioned David said his son was always before him. Actually, I think that's sin, not son. His sin was always before him. I think that's what they meant. Probably. I'm just reading the words yeah, we on need to here. Put, we need to put You mentioned sick, David right? said his, sin, yeah, his, his sin. sin was always before him, 
And the question is, is it healthy to constantly have our sin on our mind or should we focus more on grace? So is it healthy to constantly have our sin on our mind or should we focus more on grace? Uh, I don't I don't know that that's an either or uh, an either or thing. Uh, I mean, I mean, clearly you're in Christ, right? So I'm a Christian where I'm going to assume you know, this question is coming from the viewpoint of a of a Christian who has received the grace of God, and so they have uh, they have been delivered. They have been set free from the condemnation of sin. No longer do they have to worry about uh, Am I going to spend eternity in hell? No, I have a relationship with Christ, and that is settled. It's secure forever, all time. Right. Uh, I would say where the scripture says that David's sin was ever before him, that sin was ever before him until he did what? Until he repented and confessed. And then and then no longer do you mm. read in the psalm that the sin was haunting him the way it was. Right. What sin there it was talking about a specific instance. Yeah. It was talking about right the adultery right. and the murder and the cover up and all that kind of stuff. And to me, you know, a struggle that a lot of people have when it comes to the life of David and the Bible describing him as a man after God's own heart. Well, how in the world can David be a man after God's own heart? And and look at the, some of the stuff right. he did. Uh, you study the life of David. It wasn't just uh, the Bathsheba thing. Uh, that was the only thing that he kind of jacked up. He jacked up a lot. He had a lot going on. Yeah, and that's the reason why you know you said son, and I'm like, well, if we start talking about his son, sorry, so we're I was hijack, reading the question. I didn't read it all the way through. Podcast. But why? Well, here's what I would say: uh, a man after God's own heart. Uh, whenever he was confronted of his sin, he would always repent. He would repent yeah. of that sin when he was confronted. The difficulty with David, David had very few people in his life that would dare to confront his sin. Mm. That's a, I mean, that is a dangerous place for any of us to be. Right. So anybody who might be listening, it is so important to have people in your life that are that you're accountable to, people that love God and they love you, that you give the license to, to say, you know what? any time any place you ask me the hard questions if you see something i've got i've got a group of men in my life that i have given the license to as as pastor to say look if you see something in my life that you're like boy that that doesn't look you know good i mean something's not firing right there then then you 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 come to me yeah you come to me you have the license to, to approach me and say, Pastor, what's going on here? And uh, in David's life, whenever that happened, he would always be broken. He would repent. And, uh, you know, he would confess and he would repent. And in that instance where it says his his sin was ever before him, going to sleep, waking up, all that kind of stuff, it's because <laughs> he, uh, he had not confessed it and he had not yeah. he had not repented from it. Yeah, when you give somebody permission to to do that, like it is it's a it's a big deal. Like it it there's a lot that I, for my own self, I know there's a lot that I can learn when I've given somebody permission to say, "Hey, you 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 tell me the things I need to change." Like I'm giving you permission to speak that truth in my life. It's been uh it, 
there's a lot of growth that comes through the whole process, not just hearing that I've done something wrong or hearing that I'm uh, need to change something, but the the growth through that to to make that correct. Sure, is, some of the greatest pulpiteers that I've ever heard in my life, and uh, pulpiteers that 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 is a preacher preaching in the pulpit. That's right. So some of the some of the greatest preachers that I've ever heard in my life are no longer preaching today because of moral failure mm. in their life, and. Uh, the ones that personally I knew, you can sit there and one of the glowing characteristics in their lives is they were accountable to no one. Mm. And some of the things that they got involved in, you're just like, my goodness, they're way too smart. I can't believe, I can't believe that they would have, they would have sacrificed uh, the platform that God gave them and get involved in such frivolous immorality but again, there were no checks. There, yeah. there were there was no accountability. Yeah. So the problem is, you can when there's no accountability, you get to the point where you think you're above accountability, that you're even above uh, God's word and God's standard. Um, and yeah, it applies to everyone else. It just didn't apply to me. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and, well, there's a reason why the scripture says. Yeah. Uh, um, what um, a haughty spirit comes before a great fall. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think the NIV may say pride, but I like that haughty spirit. That's pretty pretty telling yeah. right there. So along with that, one of the other questions that was submitted is, why did God make it a daily or a continuous surrender? So, I mean, we're, again, we're talking about this these indicators of a relationship with Jesus and the fact that we've got to do some things in our life, it's not just a one-time thing, but it's stuff that we're working through. So so why, the question is, why did God make it a daily or a continuous surrender? Why isn't it just, why isn't it just walking the aisle and saying the prayer? Yeah, a, a continuous um, surrender, basically, you know, day by day. And I think I think next week we're really going to, talk about that even even more uh in you know uh addiction and various things like that um that daily surrender why is it not okay i'm saved now no longer i have to deal with sin uh well because we still live in the flesh right and the flesh is uh waging war against you every day one of the points that i'll make when we continue to move forward in chapter six is he uh he doesn't he doesn't tell us that um, that we need to renew our spirits or anything along those lines because uh, the Holy Spirit is now living inside of us. The Holy Spirit has redeemed the spirit. Paul would say it this way, the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. Yeah, the battle's against the flesh. Right. Uh, and that's us. All right. Um, and so uh, to me, just the, the whole, it's going to be a day-by-day thing. It's going to be an hour-by-hour thing. It is going to be that consistent, I am dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I need to be reminded. Well, I mean, that's kind of foolish that you would repeat that phrase over and over again. No, understand what that phrase is saying. It's saying this, that sin that had a control over you before you came to Christ no longer has permission through Christ to control you to where you would say, I just couldn't help it. Yeah. 
uh, or, or, you know, the old comedian from many years ago, you, you probably won't know who this is. Our producer, I think you probably saw him live. Because I'm so young. Yeah, Flip Wilson was his name, right? And he wore, he's the one who actually started wearing the red suit, the devil in the red suit. And the, uh, anyway, he would always say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, somebody who doesn't know Christ, absolutely. Throw that out there. Somebody who's in Christ, no, the devil has no control over you. Right. The only control the devil has over a believer in, of Jesus Christ is that which you may allow him to have. Well, there's a there's a verse in James, James 1.14, that talks about that we're responsible for that temptation um, or how we deal with that temptation. It's another topic. Uh, we have we have a few minutes left on this particular podcast, but I want to I want to hit one of your topics again: indicators of a relationship with Jesus, and that that being buried in baptism. And I know that baptism is a a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. We spend a lot of time trying to make sure that people understand baptism and get people baptized. So can you briefly, we have like five minutes left, Pastor Stephen, but can you briefly talk about, man, the the importance of baptism as an indicator of uh, relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, the first obedient or the first act of obedience. It's a, it's a, it's a profession of yeah. faith. The early church you know, they didn't, at the end of the service, the early church didn't have pastors stand in front and say, okay, <laughs> you know, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, or if you've recently done that, then we want you to come forward so we can we can share that with the congregation, uh, kind of as that public profession of faith. That was, that was something that came along later on, much later on in the life of the church. Now, I'm not, please hear me. There's nothing wrong with that as long as... You don't equate walking down a church aisle to the front as salvation. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God gets glory through that. Um, but the early church, it was through baptism. It was through baptism. I mean, we still consider that a public profession of faith as well. But the early church, uh, next thing you know, you're there. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're following through with baptism, and it's telling everyone, hey, uh, my faith is in Christ. I'm not ashamed. I want everyone to know that. And this is a beautiful uh, symbolic picture of, uh, you know, I used to be known because of my sin, and I used to be sentenced to hell because of my sin. But when I received Christ, he gave me the forgiveness of his grace, and he cleansed every single sin. Not that I've just committed, but every single sin that I will ever commit that would condemn me to hell. We know that is every sin. So uh, once I'm in that relationship with Christ, the condemnation of that sin, the judgment of that sin's already been taken care of. So baptism, it is that profession to folks. I like baptism because, number one, it, uh, it is that beautiful picture. Number mm. two, it's a great testimony yeah. to all who see and hear. Uh, but then number three, it, it basically is you saying— you know what, I mean, I mean this. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's affirmation for us. I mean, God knows all, right? Does God really need us to do anything outwardly to prove, oh, yes, I've really given my life to you? I mean, he knows. There are folks that can fake the outward right. and not have it in the inward. Right. And the Lord would even know that. Right. Uh, he tells us to do that because I think it's that, again, 
for us and for others. So you show me someone that would sit there and say, oh, yes, I've given my life to Jesus. My faith is in him. My trust is based in him. I've surrendered to him, but I'm just not going to be baptized. Mm. Then I'm going to say, oh, we got a problem here. We, we got a problem here. You should never pray about being obedient to the Lord. I'm going to be obedient to him. I've never, ever uh, in the 30 years that I've been doing this had anyone say, man, wish I'd not gotten baptized. Right. Can't tell you the number of people that have said, why did I wait so long? Right. Man, I should have done that first thing because it's victory that happens in your life. Yeah. Uh, it's abundant life that happens when you follow through in obedience. Well, and again, you know, it's that great symbol of the oldest gone, the newest come. And uh, it's just a, a beautiful picture of what God's done for us. It's a beautiful picture of the, the grace that we talked about. Um, and so, Pastor Stephen, again, just thank you for your time today as we looked at, you know, Romans. And, you know, we would ask you and we would we would encourage you, you know, any questions that you have about what it means to to be a Christ follower, what it means to understand the grace of Jesus and the cross and what he did, or even questions about baptism, please let us know. We would love to help and love to walk alongside you. We'd love to hold you accountable in that, as we talked about earlier. So Pastor Stephen, again, thank you. And uh, we look forward to spending more time with you next week. Hi, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you today for listening to our Unchangeable Truth podcast. Our prayer is that you have been challenged as well as encouraged as we study God's Word verse by verse. If you're ever in the Panama City area, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person at Highland Park Baptist Church, 2611 Highway 231 North in Panama City. If you want to learn more about our ministry and about our church, we would encourage you to go to our website, www.highland, and that's H-I-L-A-N-D, park, P-A-R-K, dot org. If you have any questions or any comments about today's podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at info at highlandpark.org. That's H-I-L-A-N-D-P-A-R-K dot org. Our prayer is that you would continue to draw close to God. And if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, please reach out to us and let us share with you the greatest story that's ever been told. God bless.